0: All right, guys, welcome to episode number 21 of the Friday Frosters, and this episode is titled, Crop Goes the Weasel and the Mayflower Mess. Kelly, how are you?
1: I am awesome. My podcast just hit 7,500 downloads, so I'm way excited, and uh, it's summer, and it's, well, it's hot here, so
0: nice but that's a big milestone though 7500 yeah. awesome so joe how was camping
2: oh camping was great it was an awesome weekend fantastic besides the fact that there was a little bit of um i don't know did you hear that denver colorado was like the worst uh smoke or the worst uh what, what what's the word i'm looking for Pollution. air quality, index. Air quality. H-U-I. yes wow. least worst air quality internationally over the Whoa. weekend. Yeah, like supposedly number one in international. So for air quality. So anyway,
0: otherwise. That's not good.
2: No, yeah. It's made a lot of people I know really ill. So not good.
1: Sorry, but it's coming from Oregon and Northern California. I know. Thanks, Kelly. I appreciate it. Oh, that.
0: wow. <laughs> you know, I actually like going camping. The only thing I don't like about it is that mosquitoes really love me. <laughs> <sighs>
2: they you're so sweet.
0: <laughs> but you know what? So where, where I am, mosquitoes are like this big. I mean, you can see them from a mile off. They are huge in Alabama. That's the one thing, well, one of the things that I don't miss about it. But you know what? We've got people coming into the room, and you know what to do, guys. Drop the emoji into the chat that signifies the mood that you are in right now. You know what's really interesting? Hal. Hal has a watch he's surprised and there's a hurricane.
2: Yeah, Fred. Or bad weather. Fred, how you feeling about Fred there, Hal? I thought that was probably an interesting hurricane name.
0: Yeah. yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Did you guys know the fun fact that people don't pay attention to the severity of hurricanes when they're named females? Really? Really. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can find it and I'll drop it in the thing.
0: So okay. the hurricanes are sexist.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> together.
0: Michelle says she loves the intro and she said that it's been terrible here in Denver.
2: Yep. Michelle feels my pain. I bet.
0: Yeah. Now Hal says that there are Texas sized mosquitoes in Alabama. <laughs> Oh, uh, but as it relates to Hurricane Fred, he said, right, said Fred, I guess the hurricane is too sexy for. OK, never mind. Some people won't even get that joke. Uh, <laughs> Michelle is in a good mood today and Leslie's back with us and Leslie's in a pretty decent mood as well. Uh, Hal said no comment about ignoring females.
2: Hal <laughs> knows better. His His wife would get mad at him if he said anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know what? I've got a question for you guys. So, Joe, what's your favorite wine? You like red wine, white wine? What what's your what's your wine taste?
2: I'm a red gal and my fave is a good cab. Ah, yeah.
0: Okay. All right. What about you, Kelly? What's your what's your favorite kind of wine?
1: I am not a wine drinker. I'm, I'm a beer a drinker,
0: drinker
1: or a scotch drinker, but I'm not really a wine drinker.
0: Oh boy.
1: Why? Why?
0: Why? <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know, right? You know, so let me tell you guys a story. Let's go back into dreamland. When I was a kid, I did not know that wine was made out of grapes. <laughs> had I, no idea.
2: I see where you're going with this now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> when I found out that wine was made out of grapes, you know, I had to pitch my case right but, but my home was always a dry home there was never any alcohol in the home I didn't even know what wine was but I pleaded my case I need to be able to drink wine the answer was no obviously and I said well but wine is made from grapes and I eat grapes and grapes are good for you so if grapes are good for you then wine should be good for you that was the case that I pleaded
2: <laughs> like it
0: it didn't work But I guess now you guys know why I'm actually an auditor today, because it's that critical thinking, right? And that reasoning that you have to have. So if you guys can tell me in the chat, what is your favorite wine? Are you a red or white? Do you like the cab like Joe? You know, do you like it dry? Do you like it sweet? I prefer red and sweet personally, Um, even though I don't drink wine that often. Now, I know people are probably saying, why is he talking about wine? But We'll get there in just a minute. Dan must like my the, the way I played my case to drink wine as a kid because he is laughing. Seriously, though, I thought, you know, if one if 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 grapes are good for you and wine is made out of grapes, then surely, surely I should be able to drink wine.
2: I'm actually really surprised my son hasn't come up with this yet, because his latest, now that he's double digits, he should get to try everything. Ah. And yeah, so we, we've had to kind of nip that one in the bud.
0: See, double digits is very significant. And guys, Lokeesh is with us today. He said he missed a couple of sessions of the Friday Frosters and his world was feeling empty. My friend, we were empty without you here Michelle likes Diet Coke, and Dan says, once a year, a glass of Merlot. Dan, what's the occasion? Why once a year? Is it wedding anniversary or, you know, birthday?
2: Maybe he just had it. His class ended, I know, for the semester. Maybe he just partied.
0: <laughs> 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 Dealing with students, yeah, you, you may just need some wine. Mm-hmm. Loki says, unfortunately, he is a teeter toddler. And Pozo says that red wine, it depends. Moscato or Merlot, Moscato. <laughs> all right, guys. Did you all also know that a majority of the food that we eat in the U.S., it is heavily subsidized by the government, including grapes. Now, when I say subsidized, let's talk about this for one moment. Farmers get what's called crop insurance. Now, that's for most agricultural producers, And what it is, is it protects against, well, either a loss of their crops due to natural disasters such as hail, drought, floods, you know, that kind of stuff, or if the prices of agricultural commodities, you know, fluctuate. So with that said, there are two general types of insurance. One is called crop yield and the other one is called crop revenue insurance. On average, the federal government subsidizes about 62% of the premium, For these farmers on average now on average in 2019 crop insurance policies covered almost 380 million acres, not dollars now, but acres. Now that is approximately 90% of the uh, uh, U.S. crops, the acreage of of crops in the U.S. Uh, It primarily covers four crops, corn, cotton, soybeans. That makes up about 70%. However, grapes, my friend, are covered. So some of the wine that you have may be subsidized by the federal government. So some of you are probably still wondering why in the world is this guy talking about grapes and why is he talking about wine? And why did he ask Joe and Kelly what their favorite wine was? Are we just luscious? Is that what the Friday Frosters has come to? No, it has not. Like I said earlier, the U.S. Department of Agriculture actually has a risk management agency. That agency is responsible for providing some of the insurance premiums or or the subsidies for the insurance premiums that farmers have. So now with all of that said, let's just talk about today's story because crop goes the weasel. (sighs) My friends, we've hit a whole new low this week. So there's a guy who's a fruit broker. His name is Ralph Hackett. Ralph, again, was a fruit broker and he was working with a local farmer out in California. So this farmer got with Ralph and Ralph was the intermediary who helped that farmer sell his grapes to end users or probably to grocery stores and things like that. They use table grapes. No. They sold table grapes from 2012 to 2015. Ralph, well, he colluded with the farmer. And what he did was he instructed one of his employees to provide false documentation to the farmer, uh, basically understating the amount of crops that were sold through the brokerage firm. What that farmer then went and did was he, well, went and filed paperwork with the federal government and claimed insurance saying that he sold less than what he was insured for. So essentially, the farmer double dipped on his table grapes based on fake documentation that he got from his broker. So crop goes the weasel, the fraud weasel, that is. What do you guys think about this, Joe and Kelly? Because this one is pretty interesting.
1: I picked grapes when I was like a little kid not a little kid but like 10 my friend her family had one of the first um, vineyards in Oregon and so I picked grapes and uh, they still have a vineyard and um, and my dad was a commodities trader so I knew a lot about uh, crop insurance fraud and like I just posted in the um, uh, chat wherever money is there is fraud and you know Farmers can commit fraud and it's money. And you know, the thing is, is with like farmers, it's feast or famine and we have to have food. So I understand the whole reason behind the government, you know, ensuring it. So, but like, I mean, I don't really think of farmers as fraudsters. I think of them on tractors and they've got cowboy hats and you know, like, I mean, if we looked at like the Gallup poll, as far as honesty, I would think farmers are, they do it because they love the land, they love the work, but at the end of the day, it's money, so, blah, blah. Blah,
2: <laughs> blah. <laughs> Where there's money, there's fraud. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I only have two things to note. The first thing is, I just, I love this title, Fruit Broker. I don't, I don't know why. I just really, I just really like that, but that's total aside. Um, No, I think um, I'm with Kelly. It's kind of, you're always kind of shocked, but not shocked. So, you know, sorry, not sorry, shocked, not shocked, because it seemed easy to do again, like the, you know, in reading this, my mind always goes to how many more times has this happened that we don't know it's happening. And I think, it may not be the farmers; it's it's the middleman, it's the broker. It maybe it's that that title is just unethical to me. Sometimes the broker, you know, tends to be the one brokering the unethical transactions. Uh, I think maybe we need to hashtag no more brokers. I don't know, but some, something. Uh, it, you know, I'm just surprised more farmers don't get taken advantage of and see this loophole being provided to them more than this.
0: Well, here's what got me on this one. Um, You know, farmers, their margins are already slim as it is, but apparently they were doing fairly well because they sold enough to not be able to claim insurance. So what was happening in this farmer's life? Did something happen that a relative get sick? Like what happened to make you want to commit the fraud? Or is it the fact that Prices have seen such an adjustment that even at a quote unquote market rate, you still can't make any money. Like what's the under like now I'm trying to get into the psyche of a criminal. Right. But but what happened, because you obviously made the sales, you asked your broker to give you false documentation. So this was actually on the farmer initiating this. So you asked your broker to give you false documentation to lower the amount of sales so that you could file a false insurance claim. And what we're talking about now, though, is the broker who was arrested and charged. I don't know. I tried to look up what happened to the farmer, but they've protected the farmer's name. I don't know if his case is still pending.
1: So, you know what else is really interesting? And this is about insurance fraud. I mean, and people are like, well, in this case, it's government insurance fraud. So it's I pay my taxes. They feel there's no victim this is, you know, this is a really big thing in insurance fraud. I paid into the system for so many years. There's no victim. Like it's not costing anyone any money. And I think that, you know, people, whereas there's that distance between you and quote the victim, which they say there is no victim. It's the government, the big evil government. And, you know, they screwed me the last time that whatever. So I think, there's so much of that in insurance fraud because, yeah, Dan, fraud against the government, quote, doesn't hurt anyone. And, yeah, so I just um, – the other thing is they – this guy sold his – he's no longer active in the business. He sold out. um So, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'll put this other story in the um, comments. But, yeah. Gotcha, so he sold gotcha. Out. Yeah, but it, the, the lack of victim, it, that mentality with insurance fraud is so prevalent. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, Dan said, careful, I have two farms. <laughs> oh, and
1: we're,
2: we're going to start watching you.
0: Exactly.
2: Doesn't this one remind you guys of the one from a week or two ago about the schools faking the number of students? because that was a very similar scenario. So, um, so many of these frauds are paralleling each other. It surprises me every time we talk about it. Um, But across so many industries and different types of people, we've talked about ages, genders, you know, everything. And so it's good to see the, this variety, but I thought that was interesting.
0: Absolutely. Now Hal said one of the many sad things is that much So much uh, subsidized farm product goes to waste and is never eaten with all the hunger issues in the world. Absolutely. Um, And then Jacina says, does the broker get a portion of the subsidy? You know, I don't think so. I think it's I think it's purely insurance payments being paid to the farmer. So I'm I'm guessing and assuming that the farmer must have given the broker a kickback. Otherwise, Why would you do it as a broker? But yeah, I see what you're getting at, Justina. That makes a whole lot of sense. And Joe with the E says that was his question. Like, what's the motivation behind it? Uh, Hal says farming is big industry for most crops. So the small farmer cannot compete. So fraud becomes a desperation option for some smaller farmers to feed their families. Another sad situation. I agree 100 percent with that. Well,
1: another thing it says, um, at the individual's at the other individual's request, Hackett instructed one of his employees to provide altered records to the individual that underreported the amount of table grapes. Okay. I'm just going to make a crazy guess right now that Hackett asked a clerk, who's probably a female, let's get into the gender. And so what are the chances that there's a really crappy tone at the top? What are the chances?
2: Well, they yeah. just they rationalize. I I knew it was wrong, but my boss told me to do it.
1: So it's yeah. on his
2: head, right? And it is his head on the chopping block, obviously, because he's being accused of aiding and abetting. Um, and is agreed to pay what six hundred and fifty thousand in criminal restitution for helping with this. So I guess the only positive I see out of this is even if he didn't get a financial gain, a kickback, then he should feel even sillier, or stupider for doing this, you know, because he got caught. And it was just pure unethical behavior, let alone unethical behavior for a, a monetary gain, which we know it probably was in one way or another. It had to have been in my mind. However, yeah. some people are just helping people be bad. I mean, that that exists out there too.
0: It does. Well, and, and if we go back to what Kelly was saying, though, uh, I was thinking the same thing, Kelly. It was a clerk and um, probably a woman, um, and she just did as she was told, kind of like uh, either last week or the week before last when we talked about. Um, oh no, that was even a few weeks further back when we talked about the uh, military housing where the lady we had the news clip and the lady said she simply did what she was told. I actually talked about that last week on my uh, on Audit Bites. That was what we talked about, and we showed those clips again. Yes, that's a shameless plug for my show, Audit Bites. The, sh- the only live show about internal auditing here on LinkedIn every Wednesday at 1230
2: p.m. <laughs> I missed it, but I watched it. It was great. You did great.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was nervous.
2: You said you did bad, but you did great. It was great. <laughs> I had to check it out because I wanted to see Robert bad, quote, unquote. <laughs> he said. It didn't it didn't happen. folks. I hate to burst your bubble. He wasn't bad.
0: Well, I appreciate that. It it felt bad. But, you know, so here's the other thing that that struck me as interesting in this situation. They were saying that uh, they're estimating the loss to the insurance company was $656,834. And that is the exact amount of restitution that the broker had to pay, not the farmer who actually got the money. So to me, there's more to this story. There has to be something more behind it either the broker was the initiator because it doesn't seem like the farmer is being punished at all unless his trial is coming up next and they're still investigating him but this this seems odd
2: yeah yeah maybe i so yeah it sounds like maybe i jumped the gun blaming the broker because it's the broker who's getting you know really that that this main focus of the article that we looked at yeah was about but yeah yeah, like you said, there's there's got to be some reason
1: behind all this.
0: And we may well, never know.
1: And the other thing it says, according to court documents, Hackett was a member and manager of a Central Valley fruit broker through which the other individuals sold various crops. Okay, what are the chances, big stretch here, that someone else did something else wrong? And can you imagine the fear that is going through that community right now? Like, rightfully. I mean, it only happened one time with one person, and no. I'm going what? with and no.
2: Um, uh, unemployment fraud. When we talked about unemployment fraud with the government, and then the government tried to get smarter and lock down the process. You know, in my mind, I think somebody already asked in the cha- in the comments, or the chat, what, how is this regulated? Who's watching this? I mean, what are the audits behind the scenes of what insurance claims are being? Crop insurance claims are being submitted versus, I mean, are we doing site visits? Are we checking out the crops? Are we just looking at what happened to the area, you know, uh, hurricane or, you know, whatever seasonally, weather wise? You know, what all do they do? What are those controls, those checks that they perform? Yeah, that
0: was.
1: Claim? And it didn't yeah. say how this was investigated. I'm going with a tip.
0: Oh, yeah. It probably the uh, poor secretary who was made to change the uh, numbers. Most likely. Uh, Jacina says, wouldn't this be avoided by random checks of crops sold by weight? Who regulates this? Yeah, exactly. You know, here, here's the other thing, though. All right. So I left out a small piece of the puzzle. Whoa. No. <laughs> uh, did you guys also see the part where so the broker gave the inf- or the, the broker's assistant gave the information to the farmer? The farmer then gave it to the federal government for insurance purposes. The government then called the assistant to verify that the numbers were correct because the broker gave the government her name, his or her name, and his or her name only to speak to. So when the government called to verify that the numbers were actually accurate, they spoke to the person who fudged the numbers to begin with at the broker's office.
2: Man, it really seems like he's throwing somebody under the bus in this entire situation. <laughs> the, the ethical bus.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Joe with the E says the broker may have played on the farmer being down on his luck. Yeah. So to your point, Joe, this was the thought that I had. Like Kelly said, he was a part of a, a, a huge network where they, he was brokering deals for a lot of different farmers it could be that he went ahead and pled to the 656,000 in restitution because he's made a whole lot more than that. And if he pleads right now, I mean, double jeopardy, right? You can't be convicted of the same crime. So you go ahead, you plead out now, you take this loss. In the meanwhile, you still have a few million in the bank. So when you come out of jail, you still have your few million.
2: That doesn't work with different clients though, does it? I know the I don't whole know. Jeopardy thing, like I—that I, sounded so great. That, you
0: know, I know, right? <laughs> but I don't know.
2: <laughs> However, like I, I don't think that would count as the same crime if he was doing it across the, you know, crop. You know, and I agree. De Kelly was it that just said, like the other farmers in that area are probably that either use him or you know, yeah, they're probably shaken.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now Pozo says. The government had poor controls, too, because the government employees didn't uh, verify they were communicating with uh, authorized parties at the farmer's business. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they thought they were doing the right thing because they actually called the broker. But the broker is the one who provided the false documents. If it had been the farmer that had altered them without you know the broker then yeah so now now everybody's raining on my parade I, it sounded good i didn't know they <laughs> said separate crimes yeah you're you, you're right but it but it did sound good though didn't it
1: it did but what that. about conspiracy or rico
0: oh mm. yeah yeah mm.
1: Al said yeah.
2: insurance ponzi scheme <laughs>
0: i mean essentially that's probably what it is but but in all seriousness though Um, he may have just thought if he go, if he pleads this one out, they'll just stop looking because they already got the bad guy. You know, I don't
2: know what their, what their mindset is for sure.
0: Cause it just seems odd that he's the broker. If, if I'm reading the story correct, I know he provided false documents to the farmer, but at whose request? Like, it seems like the farmer would have approached them first, unless it was, like Hal said, an insurance Ponzi scheme where he had this deal with a bunch of different farmers, which then means I would plead out and, you know, hope that they stop looking. So anyway, yeah, th- this is this is a weird one where.
2: Yeah. yeah, this one's weird because it has the government involved. So to me, right, like, I mean, normal when we're talking normal healthcare fraud, we're talking, you know, patients, doctors and the health insurance companies. Now we're talking farmers, insurance broker, government. And it's like, it's just different, it's different players. So to me, it seems like the middle player is always the guilty party. So like it's doctors defrauding the insurance companies, it's this broker defrauding the government. But but I think we hit it on the head at first with what does he truly get out of it? So that, you know, maybe he and this farmer are best buds and like, you know, they're splitting this extra government subsidy that they're getting who knows but yeah
0: well to add icing on the cake here this happened between 2012 and 2015 so now if in 2021 you're required to pay this money back you know he does not have this money (laughs) i mean it's at least you know the money that came from this scheme he's probably spending it all but uh yeah i just thought this was an interesting Case because we've now found fraud in the grape farming industry.
1: Yes, we have. So, Um, I had this idea the other day. Speaking of in grape farming, I did stump the embezzlement jock a long time ago. Put an industry that hasn't been embezzled, and you get a prize. And remember, it was snake wrangling, which isn't an industry, but it was a lawyer who said that. So, I had to be careful and send him the stupid mug anyway. But, um, (laughs) So I was driving by um, a business in Bend that I know was ripped off. And I had this idea that I want to go around in my little community and take pictures of every business that I know who has been embezzled. So people can, I, I just think the visualization of seeing that it's dent instruments, it's a it's a hairdresser downtown, it's my water district. It's like, to, me. Huh? Love- our friend that plumbing. And- yeah. 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 So it's like to be able to see that it hits every, like grapes, you know, who thinks that grapes are like, yeah. yeah, we think of wine in good times. We don't think of fraud.
0: Especially if you're a 10 year old kid who wants to drink wine. I mean, it, it's well, great.
2: Again, it's, it's edu- that's why I love this show because it's educational for us even. And it's, I mean, you know, this was the first I've been reading about crop insurance. Why? Because Robert sent us a link to read about crop insurance. Now, something in our toolbox. Interesting.
0: It's just it. so weird. Yeah. So, hey guys, check this out. We are halfway through the program. I think that this is a perfect opportunity to talk about... The Fraud Retreat.
2: Yay. I love it. We already have um, sign-ups like literally rolling in. I was telling Kelly, I was really excited because a year in advance, like I know that's a lot for you guys to commit to right now. um, So we definitely appreciate it because it keeps our spirits up with the way of the world today. Cause I know it's kind of unknown right now but we're all staying very positive that next August 4th and 5th, you guys can all come to Denver, Colorado and be in person where I think we've convinced Rob fully to come so we could actually do Friday fraudster. If we're still doing it, which, you know, most likely we will be uh, on Friday, August 5th next year. Uh, I think Dan Ramey, I think we've, he's on, I think we've con- finally convinced him to come as well from Houston. So anyway, we'd love to see all your smiling faces next year.
1: Well, and you know, what's interesting is like, this was before COVID happened, but Joe and I were talking about this retreat and I was like, I think people want sort of bespoke events and then COVID happened and that's the kind of events we're getting because we don't want to be in Vegas with a thousand other people. So we were ahead of the curve, but we were doing it for a different reason. We wanted to do it so we could really, really connect with the attendees and have the attendees connect with each other. So um, again, we're ahead of the curve, guys. Yes. Yes. Michelle, Michelle just said, come to
2: Colorado. Michelle will be there. She has already signed up. So come see us. it would be great.
0: Nice. I'm actually looking forward to it. Uh, Denver, you guys are having it in Denver, right? Or right outside of the city?
2: It's outside. It's right by, um, it's at our Gaylord Rockies Resort.
0: Oh, yeah, that's nice. Ooh. It's
2: right by the airport, which I wanted to do for convenience for people flying in because our airport is a little bit far east. Um, yes. So easy trip from the airport, probably 20 minutes into downtown from there.
0: Yeah, I love Denver. It's one of my favorite places. So I'm already gearing up for August the 5th, 2022, August the 4th and 5th, 2022, the Fraud Retreat. You can go to FraudRetreat.com if you want to know more information and if you want to book your place. Yep. So, guys, while we're also here, check this out. Audit Bites. Brand new podcast, live show. It's just me, no Joe and Kelly. Sorry, guys. But this week, or next week, coming up, the title will be Five Reasons Clients Ignore Auditor's Advice. Five Reasons Clients Ignore Auditor's Advice. It will be Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And much like the Friday Froster, you can get CPE credit just for watching a podcast with little old me. So... That should be fun. Glad to see everyone in when you guys can make it to the Friday Frosters or to Audit Bytes. Or you can catch us on your favorite podcasting platform as long as that favorite podcasting platform is not Apple. You can go to FridayFroster.com or AuditBytes.com to find out more information. And the last thing we want to talk about is coming up, Joe and I, Joe without the E, Joe and I will be. Presenting at, uh, what is that, New Jersey chapter for the Institute okay. of Regional Auditors?
2: Long Island. Don't affect. Offend- Long
0: Island, I'm sorry. Ooh, sorry, Joe. Oh. Ooh. Joe with the E. <laughs> Ooh, Long Island chapter for the Institute great of Regional Auditors. Great,
1: great chapter.
0: It is a great chapter, but what is the date? It is September 17th, coming up real soon this year. Eight hours of action-packed CPEs. Uh, all for one hundred and fifty dollars. The link is on the 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 graphic down here. If you would like to attend, it is a virtual event, so it's open to any and everyone who wants to come. Uh, come and mingle with the Long Island folks. Joe, what are you talking about at this conference?
2: Um, I'm actually doing my presentation that is called "Auditing Around the Corner," which I'm going to start by saying I don't love the title of that. So I always start my presentation by saying, "Help me retitle this because I think auditing is looking backwards sometimes, and we as auditors need to be looking to the future." So that's really what it's about: how can we be around the corner, spot those inflection points, like our management needs to uh, ahead of, ahead of time. And so it's going to be really about getting in front of getting in front of risks. So I'm super excited about it.
0: Ah, now I'm doing a session that I've titled "Activate Your Auditing Awesomeness." It's a really good session. I really like it. So you should come just to hear that alone. Also, uh, Hania McCarthy will be there and Seth Peterson. We're going to tell you what they're talking about next week because we're going to plug this again next week, obviously. Right. I mean, we we have to.
2: Yes. And I'm going to put the link in the in the comments, too, just in case anybody wants those eight CPE this year. Awesome. It's a reporting year for us in Colorado. So I know a lot of people that are looking for those last minute CPEs.
0: Please forgive me, Joe. Joe, Long Island! Exclamation, exclamation. Told you. It was a joke, Joe. I I just wanted to see if you were paying attention. I wanted to see if you were still here. And then Joe said, we're not all bad. (laughs) And Joe also said he can't Wait. Uh, Lokeesh said that's an interesting topic. Yes, Lokeesh, tune in. Wednesday, 12.30 p.m. Five reasons why clients ignore auditors. Now, Heather is saying she's going to miss Wednesday. Blame her VP on scheduling a meeting. I think you should just miss the meeting. I mean, you'll learn more here with me. (laughs) And then Joe said it's okay, Joe, with an E. Said it's okay. He is from Brooklyn. All right. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's talk about the Mayflower mess. Now, when I say the Mayflower, what do you think about, Joe Kelly? What what do you guys think about?
2: What you put on the screen. Pilgrims.
0: Yeah, the pilgrims. Kind of what I think about, too. That's why I put a ship up here. Mm-hmm. But apparently. There's a city. Called Mayflower. And a a court clerk. Was sentenced to 72 months probation. After she admitted embezzling money. From the city. Now this one is a weird one. Because apparently there was an audit that occurred in 2017. And this is in Arkansas, by the way. Mayflower, Arkansas. Apparently, there was an audit that occurred in 2017, and some people thought that as a result of the audit that this woman had stolen something like $2 million. That was the initial amount that came out. And so I was trying to reconcile how if you stole $2 million, you got 72 months of probation. Then the rest of the story came out and apparently it wasn't $2 million. It was somewhere around maybe four or $5,000, but she's 63 years old, and she pleaded guilty to theft of property, tampering with physical evidence and abuse of an office while she was a clerk. It's pretty bad when we can't trust our <clears throat> civil servants, but Here's some interesting things that happened within this particular case. They were saying that the auditors reviewed documentation from January 2010 until August 14th of 2014. They looked at a receipt book and found that there were several pages missing and they looked like they had been tampered with. That receipt book was used to document payments for whatever at the clerk of courts, right, for various citizens in the town. Now, here's where it got really interesting. It was reported to authorities that citizens would often pay their fines in cash. Okay, some people still do that to this young woman, but they would also do it while she was outside on her smoke break or while she was working in the flower bed. Uh
2: huh. The- <laughs> that was one of the... I love pulling out the best like liners from some of these. That was one of them. That was one of them I pulled out.
0: So I'm going to, I'm going to stop right here for a moment. Joe Kelly.
2: Well, first of all, we know she didn't just steal whatever those numbers 3,200, 4,000, because it was just too easy for these same reasons. We always talk about, it says she, her responsibilities included maintaining all of the records, accepting payments, and making the bank deposits. So who wouldn't, in this great fraud triangle world of opportunity, not start putting the cash in her pocket when she didn't even have to write it down because she controlled it? So anyway, I just it's it's the typical control breakdown here. Segregation of duties breakdown.
1: And her probation included a bar on casino gambling. Imagine that. No. Imagine, imagine. Imagine, so,
2: imagine yeah. that she probably had some history of that. Yeah. Oh, uh, boy. Uh, did you, maybe you're going to get to this. Maybe I'm jumping the dot, gun. My last, my third and final pull out of from this article was, she was also seen, seen behind oh, the yeah. house burning documents. So like, Okay, we talk about parking lot audits. How about parking lot bonfire
1: audits? (laughs) I missed that, but today I posted on LinkedIn about (laughs) another arson. And oh my God, like people think that like, that's crazy. There's a town that's about a hundred miles from me where she burnt down the, you know, the little municipality. Um, Like arson and embezzlement, we have red collar crime. I think we need to have like, Arson, Orange. Well,
2: like, yeah, owning of documents, destroying documents, buildings, like getting rid of evidence.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. That is so I did. I missed that part. But I posted this morning about another embezzlement turned arson. So, yeah, great.
2: It could be an orange fraud, Ellie.
0: (laughs) Hal says the Anderson shredders were not available. Now, for some of you guys who are a little younger in age, Arthur Anderson, when that consulting firm went down, they did a lot of shredding. So that's what Hal is referring to. I know sometimes if you have to explain the joke, maybe it's not funny, but we may have some people that don't know history or they may be a little too young to remember Arthur Anderson.
1: Okay, so shameless plug for my episode this week with David Weber. And there is a re- reference to Arthur Anderson, and it's a it's like a bone chilling story. So it's a really good episode because David Weber has finally proven statistically, with United States Sentencing Commission data, that women embezzle more often. However, hashtag men steal more. So it's a really really good episode, and like I wanted to like blow up the whole internet with that, but. I figure that people will hate me for that. But um, there's a whole Arthur Anderson, like you gotta listen to the um episode this week with David Weber, behavioral accountant, and I got him to change his LinkedIn profile.
2: Can I pick on another firm that I've picked on recently in a blog? Because it's not just Anderson Shredders, so this is Mackenzie. Oh I've talked about them before. Um By 2018, senior executives at McKinsey were becoming aware that they might face liability for their opioid work, so defending Purdue Pharma uh, and doing work with them. A leader in the firm's pharmaceutical practice wrote to another partner, it probably makes sense to have a quick conversation with the risk committee to see if we should be doing anything other than eliminating all of our documents and emails. (laughs) Like, oh, caught. Why would you put that in an email? Number one, you're an idiot. Number 2 you're <laughs> like, we're still talking about this, eliminating as in shredding or burning documentation from our work. Why are we doing the work to begin with people? Why?
0: Yep. Why? Absolutely. But, so now there is more. <laughs> it was reported to authorities. No. So allegedly, she falsified the amount of money that she collected from the public. And then they were saying that they figured that out because her computer entries never matched the bank deposits. Now, here's the thing if she had control over everything, wouldn't you have sense enough to shave off money from the top and then make the bank deposit the amount that you put into the computer? So I, but that kind of ties into what Kelly said. Part of her probation was to stay away from casinos. They can't verify the amount of money, but they're thinking it's about four thousand dollars. So it went from two million to four thousand. Four thousand dollars is like one trip to the casino. So it's probably <laughs> more. Right. Let's just be real pragmatic about that. It's, yeah. it's probably a whole lot more, which still begs. the Anyway, I won't get into that. Uh, next part uh, about to the
2: say. Bottom line is they can't quantify it because they have no records. I mean, they really don't have any records. We're never going to know in this case.
1: Except if the casino, I bet they've got records on her. Yeah, We're never going to see. Those will never come to the light of day.
2: No, we've talked about that. What What does the fiduciary role of casinos and frauds? We know that they don't have one, supposedly.
1: And David said on the podcast this week, he's like, um, casino, best way to launder money. Watch Ozarks, and which I have. Um, so, yeah. Oh, my God.
2: Speaking of which, is that... Is there another season of that coming out soon? Did you guys all watch Ozarks? Oh, of
0: course. Yes. It was great. Yeah.
2: I think think there is
0: another season coming out. Yeah. 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 Now Hal says you don't have to be smart to embezzle. You just have to not get caught. Oh,
2: good. And then
0: Dan says the 1099G tells the story. I love it. Okay. So...
1: <clears throat> but
0: as she said, she
1: went, she went wait, wait. from there to another agency.
0: Oh, yep, yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. yep.
1: And I put it, I put her LinkedIn in the um, chat. She went to like the cosmetology like licensing bureau.
0: Yeah, yeah. So another state agency in the same general area hired her, even after they let her go at the other job. But wait, she doesn't still work there, though, does she? Even now? Okay. I was about to say. because
2: What does her LinkedIn say? I can't... I don't see it yet, Kelly. Oh, um, it is.
1: It just says... Oh, wait. Oh, it has her in a different one. Director at Arkansas Fire Protection Licensing Board. But I also saw her at, like, the cosmetology. Director at the Arkansas cosmetology section. It's changed. She was arkansas cosmetology but then on linkedin it says arkansas fire protection either one again it's dealing with licensing money like okay hal shout out to you there was a woman in florida who um did the register licenses for strippers and strippers really don't um write checks So they came in with a bunch of $2 bills and she stole like 25 grand. And she said she stole it because her husband couldn't stop spending it at Home Depot. So
2: (laughs) like we're, we're not Not at the strip clubs. He was at home spending it at Home Depot. That would have been like the best full circle ever. If you had just said,
0: that's what I was wondering. (laughs) I was waiting for it. And then it just, it was Home Depot. But guess what else our person here did? So when they when they asked her about burning the documentation, she, she stated that she digitized all the paperwork and no longer needed the hard copies. So that's why she burned it all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, in my irrigation district, that's what happened too. the woman ended up committing suicide. Okay, sorry, but um, Mm. she, they did not remove her access. They like confronted her on Friday. She came in over the weekend and they said she destroyed everything. It's no arson, but I think she like digitally destroyed everything and also destroyed, um, you know, documents. So when you do an investigation, you have to lock them out. Like it is investigation 101. As to say, this should be
2: user access 101, right? When somebody is terminated and that's right. so many. I know so many auditors that have caught that one not happening.
0: Yeah. All right. You guys, you are watching and or listening to the Friday Froster, where we talk about fraud cases on Fridays, live on LinkedIn. And you can find us on your favorite podcasting platform, as long as your favorite podcasting platform is not apple today we talked about crop goes the weasel where well some table grape farmers fleeced the government out of quite a bit of money it was sad all of those grapes could have been used for some wine although i will say no one asked i kept saying table grapes for a reason thinking somebody would ask what is a table grape table grape is not the kind of grape used for wine it's actually bigger wine grapes are a whole lot smaller You see how much research I put into for you guys. You guys should go over to $7cpe.com and get you a one hour CPE just for watching this podcast. Now, our second story for today was the Mayflower mess where a lady in Mayflower, Arkansas, stole money because she was the clerk at the city and she was taking money from citizens, depositing it into the bank, doing the reconciliation or not doing the reconciliation. So there were no segregation of duties. This poor woman. No, not the poor woman. I'm sorry. This poor town had a person who not only robbed them blind, but she actually took the. um, (laughs) Not only did she rob them blind, but she covered up the evidence by taking it out back and burning the evidence. But there's one last thing that she did, too, guys. Allegedly, she printed dummy checks. For herself, just prior to resigning.
2: Why not go out with a bang, right? Go big or go home. Let's see
1: how much
0: casino. casino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm, I'm I'm not believing that the total amount was four thousand. But but I will say they started off at two million. How in the now? What they're saying is they think that two million is the number is the dollar amount that actually went through the entire county or city system during the time with within which she was employed there but how do you go from two million to four thousand and you know she burned some records you know that she altered records then she printed some fake checks before she left but i think i think one of you guys hit it on the head how will you be able to estimate the real amount i don't think there's any way you'll know what the real amount is
1: but if it's a municipality you could sit there and go okay we have x amount of um you know property taxes coming in per year i mean there there's ways you can get a little bit closer to go from two million i mean i will tell you the best work that there's nothing worse than poor law enforcement work and you know what unfortunately there is poor law enforcement work not everywhere but cops don't become cops to learn how to you know track down missing numbers. And so from two like if they would have gone from 2 million to say even a half a million but from 2 million to 4000 that's I like try. they didn't even try. yeah yes yeah. they just threw they basically said she stole everything. And it's like come on she didn't they were paying bills weren't they? Yeah. Damn. Yeah.
0: Hal says, dummy checks in one hand, matches in the other. (laughs) Oh, I tell you, Hal actually makes this show a better show with the comedic element. All right, so guys, I think there's something else that Joe wants to talk about while we're here today. Joe!
2: I asked Rob if I could have like two minutes of your time because I am really bad about doing videos on my own. And we all know how great Robert is at doing it, doing them. But uh, I figured this was my one chance to do like a two minute video. Um, I work uh, as a volunteer for Susan G. Komen, Colorado. A lot of you know my story uh, about uh, breast cancer being a breast cancer pre-vivor, if you want to know more about that. Uh, happy to talk to you about it. But uh, Susan G. Komen, Colorado, we are planning for the More Than Pink Walk September 26th, which is virtual. You can walk anywhere. We actually had one person come forward in the state of Colorado who has agreed to triple any donations made to the walk today. So it is such a great opportunity that because we're doing a live show today, I just had to plug it, because whether you can give $10, it will turn into $30. If you could give $50, it'll turn into $150. You guys know math. I don't need to do that for you. But I just thought it was an amazing opportunity. uh, If you want to donate to an amazing cause that's really trying to proactively impact cancer research. Uh, And um, I'm thrilled that an amazing anonymous donor came forward to do this today. So I'm going to put a link to my more than pink team uh, in the chat. And if you guys don't mind donating, if you have the ability to do so, I would be so grateful because it goes three times further today. So thanks, you guys, for listening.
0: All right. So here's what else we're going to do. After this show is over with, we're going to chop that clip up and we're going to distribute it on LinkedIn. What I'm going to ask you guys to do is just when you see it, start sharing it because that's today today only and it is well I
2: know it's late just
0: it's just 3 p.m. central standard time was this on your time or our time cuz we still got time <laughs> left but no uh, <laughs> we we have until midnight so i'm going to post that clip of joe talking about it uh probably about 30 or so minutes after the show ends today we'll see how fast i can do it i'm usually pretty fast at that stuff thank you um, so we actually have uh, someone saying send the link. Who is? Oh, that's our buddy Joe with the E. I will. Joe is saying send the link.
2: And I just posted about it on my LinkedIn page too. So if uh, you go search me on LinkedIn and it should come up at the top there too.
0: All right. So guys, this one has been a, who a fun one, a very interesting one. Um, you know, you got to find out how I tried to coerce people to give me wine as a minor. So that in and of itself is probably worth the entertainment. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, crop goes the weasel. Here's what I would ask. If you guys see some stories that you think are interesting and you think we should talk about, send them to either of us or all of us because we'd love for you to talk about them. If you have a story that you have some firsthand knowledge of, We'd love to have you as a guest on the show. That would be very, very interesting. Um, And, you know, if you ever want to be a guest host at some point in time, because we have some stuff coming up, all of us have stuff coming up where some Fridays we may not be available, Uh, send us an email, let us know, FridayFraudster.com if you want some CPEs or $7CPE.com. Also, don't forget about the Fraud Retreat, Joe and Kelly, next year, fraudretreat.com. Don't forget about uh, Audit Bites, my solo show, coming up next week, next Wednesday, this Wednesday coming up, 12.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, don't forget about <clears throat> which IA chapter are we going to visit, Joe?
2: <laughs> IIA, Long Island. I put the link to the event in the comments so you can go back, scroll back up, find that event if you want those eight e Not New Jersey, New York.
0: J- Joe with the E is going to kill me. Thankfully, this is a virtual event. Joe and I will be uh, uh, doing presentations at this event. There'll be four of us. I think, I, I think I'm leading off first thing in the morning and then Joe is the last thing in, in the afternoon. And then there are two people sandwiched in between us. We'll tell you who they are and what they're doing next week uh <laughs> joe says i need is that me joe i need my own tv god oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, heather said don't forget to have a great weekend everyone heather thank you very much and you have a great weekend too and on that note you got oh joe is reminding us that it's only 150 dollars for eight hours of cpe and on that note everyone see you next week